0: but nothing is as serious as this one, which is here in the scriptures. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In the Bible, there was a man called Haman. You remember him. He had a grudge against Mordecai. I didn't like him and arranged that Mordecai was going to be hanged. They constructed the gallows. And tomorrow... He was going to bring this man out and hang him. However, through a series of circumstances, they found out he was the one that got hung instead of Mordecai. You see, tomorrow is dangerous because that's where the devil wants you to live your life. He doesn't care. Today you say, oh, you know, I want to live for God tomorrow. He said, yeah, that's right. I want to do something for God Tomorrow, devil says, yeah. And somehow we feel satisfied in our soul and we feel satisfied in our spirit that, yes, I'm not forsaking God. I'm just not doing it today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow is, is dangerous because tomorrow is so uncertain. You remember in the Bible, in Luke chapter number 12, Jesus gave an account of a man that was greatly blessed in life. His barns were full. His fields were fruitful. He had more to live on than he needed. He said, I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to put more into that. And then I'm going to say, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. But he forgot about Tomorrow. And God came and said, thou fool. You have all of this stored up. Your 401k, your stock portfolio is looking good. Your social security is coming in. And you are sitting on easy street. But he says, you're a fool. This night thy soul should be required of thee. And then... Who's going to get all your goods? you ever stop to think about that? I stop and think, no matter what I accumulate in life, somebody else is going to get. Someday I'll die, and somebody else will drive my car, and somebody else will have my house, and somebody else would have my possessions. But the question is, who possesses your soul? For all of time and eternity, there's no greater question than that question of eternity. And the devil wants you to live in that realm of tomorrow because we say, tomorrow I'm going to make things right with God. Tomorrow I'm going to overcome this bitterness and anger that's in my heart. Tomorrow I'm going to start living right. Tomorrow I'm going to get closer to God. Tomorrow I'm going to start tithing. Tomorrow I am going to start serving Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And folks, there's no more tomorrows in 2023. They're gone. You used up all the tomorrows of the year. And some of you are going to start borrowing from next year and putting you further in debt to God for tomorrow. There's no tomorrow, folks, in this year, it's gone. Everything you put off is still undone. Now, in the matter of spirituality, this could be disastrous. Life is so uncertain, isn't it? The Bible says don't boast of tomorrow. I was preaching a revival, eight-day revival. Started on the Sunday. Preached three services on Sunday. Preached Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then three services the last Sunday. On Friday night of the revival. It was a great revival. Souls are getting saved. Husbands that have been prayed for years, of their wife, have come and bowed the knee to Jesus. Women have, have, have forsaken their vows, have come back to the purity of their marriage. Children that have rebelled against their parents made things right. It was just the spirit of God just prevailed in a great way. After the Friday night service, a fine couple came up to me and said, Brother Susan, we won't be here the rest of the week. We're leaving for vacation tomorrow morning. I said well I'll miss you but I understand enjoy your restful time when Saturday night came for that service I looked at the pastor and said something's bad wrong something on his face told me things were not right before we sang the first song he quieted the congregation softly spoke and said, folks, this morning, and he gave the family's name, were involved in an automobile wreck. The father, no, the mother and daughter died instantly. The father and son were in critical condition in the hospital. One night in church, singing praises to God Lifted high, the name of Jesus. And the next night, complete change. Isn't life just like that? It doesn't take much, does it, to take us from joy to agony? That's why Job said, "Man is born into trouble as a sparks fly upward." Jesus said, "No greater truth than this." In the world, you shall have tribulation. Don't let it be a surprise to you that life is hard. Jesus said it would be, especially if you live your life as a Christian. In the world, you shall have tribulation. But he didn't stop there, praise God. He went on and says, but. Don't you love it when God butts in? (laughs) But. Be of good cheer. Why? You just told me I'm going to have tribulation. He said, I have overcome the world. And Christian, you have victory in Jesus today. And even as we sing, yeah, we stand in Christ alone. And that is sufficient. Because he holds tomorrow in his hand. For I could thank God today. I could thank God today. When I look back, it would be 24 years ago this day. People were buying generators. They were stocking up on food, even guns and bullets, anticipating what will happen at that midnight hour. What happened? Fizzled. <laughs> Y2K fizzled out, didn't it? I don't know about you, but nothing happened where I was. The lights didn't go off or anything. know. And I'm so glad God is still on the throne. And he controls the see, the See, war, men warn you of things impending doom here. But God, but God gives you hope out today in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How sad life can be sometime. But how joyous it can be also when you know Jesus. You see, tomorrow is also a dangerous day of your life, if not the most dangerous day of your life. Because it stops you from doing your best for God today. You want to do better tomorrow. Or why not want to do better today? You know, sometimes people ask me, I don't really know how to answer them sometimes, but they ask me, say, Brother Susan, what is the best sermon you ever preached? <laughs> how does a preacher answer a question like that? My answer I have found to be true. When they ask me, what is the best sermon you ever preached? I always say, my next one. Because you see, if I already preached my best sermon, downhill from there. If you already live the best you can, and there's no more to go, just, it's all downhill. But God gives us hope that today we can reach out to far uh, far better and, and, and greater things. But you know, it seems so natural sometimes to put things off, doesn't it? I'm so glad Jesus did not put off Calvary. He came to this sin-cursed earth, born of a virgin, and we just celebrated the the, the birth of Christ. As a babe, he grew, and as his life, things began to change. Men began to hate him. Men began to persecute him, and mock him, and lie about him, and many times took up stones to, to kill him, but he says, mine hour is not yet come. He said, I have God's and timetable in my life. And now is not the time. But that night in the garden, he prayed something different. And he prayed, Father, mine hour has come. I will go to the cross. I will be beaten. I will be spit upon. I will be slapped across the face, mercilessly. I would be whipped, and then I would have nails in my hand and in my feet and hang upon the cross. Jesus said, this is mine hour. I'm so glad he didn't put off Calvary. He did what God wanted him to do in God's timetable. And I often wonder about us here today, what does God want you to do? Have you ever thought and asked God, what do you want from me if I were to ask you? What do you want from God? I have a whole sermon I'm not going to preach that one. So what do you want from God? So oh, I want from God, I want God to give me good health. I want God to provide for me financially. I want God to make me happy. I want God to to, to, to help my family. I want God to do this. I want God. Have you ever asked the question, God, what do you want from me? Is it all God doing for us? Or does our life involve serving him? Saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? God has a plan for your life. Young people that are here, older folks and all those in between, God has a plan for you. You're not just an accidental product of biology between a man and a woman, but you are created in the very image of God for a reason, for a cause, and for a purpose. If I ever told you about that young girl who met me at the front of the church one time after a youth meeting, I guess she was 16, 17 years of age, and she stood there with a cold stone face, And she said to me, Preacher, I want you to know my life is filled with hate. I hate myself. I hate my parents. I hate this church. And I hate God. I hate, I hate, I hate. I was about to speak to her when she just turned around and walked out. That's not the way God wants you to live. You say, well, preacher, I'm certainly not like... Is there something in your heart this morning, some bitterness that you never got over? Some hurt. Or it wasn't even your fault, but somebody hurt you and you never got over it? And you carry that within you and it eats you away year after year. How long has it been that you have carried that within your heart and soul? I remember, preaching the revival and here in Connecticut, and at the end of the service, uh, while people were kneeling at the altar, uh, a woman came. She had to be in her late 50s, maybe early 60s. She motioned that she wanted to talk to me, so I left the platform and I went down to her. She looked down, tears are running down her face. She said, Preacher, years ago I was hurt and jilted by a man. I never got over it. It so hurt me that I tried to commit suicide several times. Obviously, I failed. But I never forgave myself. I've asked God to forgive me, but I never forgave myself. That's kind of ironic. And we won't go in there. but And I've carried this guilt. Of this awful sin of trying to take my own life. I never got over it. Then she looked up with tears running out of both eyes. She said, Until tonight, (laughs) until tonight, that burden has been lifted. Not only have I received God's forgiveness but I realized I don't need to carry that guilt upon my heart and upon my life. But I wonder how many times that story could be repeated over and over in America today, even among our churches, even among ourselves. For years, you carried something. Maybe it was something you never got over. You did something wrong. And You're embarrassed, and maybe nobody knows about it but you and God, but that's sufficient for you to have that burden in your heart. I want you to know today that burden can be lifted at Calvary. That heavy load can be taken from you. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin you will ever commit if you allow him to forgive you. So many of us say, I'll get over it tomorrow. I have stood by too many caskets where a loved one would come to pay their last respects and say, I wish I told them I loved them before they died. But that tomorrow never happened. Others have come and said, you know, all our life we had a little bitterness between us. I wish we got over that. But now it's too late. She died. I'm just trying to say, folks, tomorrow, 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 is exactly what the devil wants you to live. He doesn't want you to live the way God wants you to live today. Now, in the spiritual realm, this even takes on greater significance. When God created man, He put him in perfect paradise. I can't even imagine what paradise. Could have been like. No aches, no pain, no sorrow, no crying. Bees didn't sting and skunks didn't stink. <laughs> it was a perfect environment. You know, man sinned. God came and covered their skin, shed the blood, which was foreshadowing of that of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as the world went on, wickedness seemed to prevail. And it got so bad that by Genesis chapter 6, God saw that the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man and said, I will destroy man off the earth that I have created. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God destroyed the earth. You say, oh, Peter, is that a loving God? You better believe it's a loving God because a loving God will not allow evil and wickedness and wrong to win. It took God's love to rid the world of evil, of wickedness and of sin. But there's a statement made about that. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? 120 years, we're told. Can you imagine working on a project for 120? Some of you are also trying to remodel a house, a room, or something like that. It's been years and years, and you're still not done. But when it is done, we say, oh, I'm glad that's done. 120 years, Noah was a hammerhead, and Noah was a son, and Noah was a preacher about the coming judgment of God. And this statement is made, my, made by God himself, my spirit, shall not always strive with man. What's God saying? God's saying, there comes a time when I quit calling. There comes a time when you want to be away from me, I say, go for it. There comes a time when God no longer speaks. I've had people say to me, Brother Susan, I've walked away from God and now... Church isn't what it used to be. I don't feel what I used to feel. God, quit calling. You sit in church, folks, and I sit in church. I don't know about you, but I want to feel the tug of God upon me. I want to feel the touch of God in my soul. I want to know what's wrong with my life and the love and mercy of the Lord. But I could hit that old snooze button. God, not now. Not today. Not this time. And I keep hitting that button over and over and pretty soon I don't hear it anymore. It could happen when our alarm clock's going to wake up. You turn it off, go back to sleep. Turn it off, go back to sleep. Turn it off, and pretty soon you know what? You don't hear it anymore. That could happen with you and God where well, you no longer feel the touch, the tug, of God's spirit, striving, pulling, calling. God says there comes a time when no more. In Romans chapter 3, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1, three times the Bible says, and God gave him up, God gave him up, and God gave him over, and God quit. Folks, never come to church and harden your heart with God. I have always asked the Lord, Lord, as I enter the church service, soften my heart. I want to hear from you. I don't care what the preacher says. I'll listen, but I want to hear your voice in my heart and in my soul. Always want that sensitivity. Remember one time in Bible college, we had a speaker that really touched my heart in chapel. I sat there, and a the tear ran down my face and fell on my Bible. And it was a wet spot on my Bible. And I was kind of embarrassed. I put my hand on it so nobody would see it. But then I said, Lord, that's wrong. I want that soft heart. I know, us guys, we're tough, aren't we? So I've learned in my life, I never cry. But my eyeballs sweat a lot. I want to be sensitive with God. I don't want tomorrow to harden my heart today that I don't hear God tomorrow. A fellow visited our church some years ago, a young man. I had just started preaching. He came late to the service. We didn't have air conditioning, so all the windows were open and it was a summer day. And uh, I was just began to preach when a motorcycle pulled into the parking lot right under an open window. Now I don't know why. If you ride motorcycles, maybe you do this, and you could tell me why you do this. But when he pulled in and going to turn it off, they just seemed to rev the engine. You ever notice like a blum blum Then turn it off. Maybe there's a reason for it. But anyway, he had a very loud muffler. It's one of those motorcycles. that you, know, you could hear five miles down the road. <laughs> And he walked in the back door. He had sandals on, old beat up, cut off jeans, raggedy shirt, scrubby beard, and messy hair. But I didn't care. I'm glad he was there to hear the gospel. He sat in the back row. I met him after the service. I said, What's your name? He said, Mark. I said, Mark, I'm glad to meet you. I'm glad you came to church. He says, You know, this is really interesting. I never heard anything quite like this before. I said, Mark, how old are you? And he said, He was, I think he said 21 or 22. I said, You know, Mark, we're having a youth rally this coming Friday night in West Harford, the Farmington Avenue Baptist Church, years ago when Wendell Mullen was pastor. That man touched my heart, but that's another story. I said, I want you to come. He said, you know, I think I will. So that Friday night, we're at the church, and uh, the bus driver's warming up the bus, ready to go, and people coming and getting on the bus. And just about 6 o'clock, the bus driver closes the door. I said, what are you, what are you doing? He said, preacher, 6 o'clock, we've got to get going. We've got to get there on time. And I said, just wait a minute, just wait a minute. I was waiting for Mark. Another five minutes went by. He said, Preacher, we got to get going. We're going to really be late. We don't know what traffic is like in Hartford and 84. And, all, and we just don't." hasn't just another minute. And pretty soon, way down in the distance, I could hear it. That old rumbling sound of his motorcycle. <laughs> coming down the road. Pulled in church, turned it off. Got on the bus. We went to the youth rally. I don't remember the name of the speaker that night. But I'll tell you something, he was fired up for God and the Holy Spirit was evident and he was preaching and waving his Bible and he was talking about the God of heaven of love and of mercy and of grace and he talked about hell and torment and the place of damnation. And then he gave the gospel invitation. Young people flooded to the front of the auditorium. Many getting saved, many getting right. Mark was standing next to me, and he said, Preacher, I I, I feel like I should go. I said, great, come on, let's let's go. No, 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 not now. I want to do it in your church. I want to do it with you. I said, no, Mark, do it now. Do it now. God's touching your heart. Do it now. He said, no, 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 next Sunday. I'll come to church, and and, and I'll get saved next Sunday. We got back to church. He got on his motorcycle, went home. Saturday went by, Sunday morning church, I'm waiting. No more, no Mark, no motorcycle. Weeks went by, not heard anything. And finally a young lady in our church who happened to know him showed me a newspaper article. It said, local youth in shootout with Tampa police. I skimmed through the article and I saw Mark's name and with his brother. He was down in Tampa, and they were robbing a 7-Eleven store. An off-duty policeman uh, was in the store and tried to stop it, and they shot him and killed him. The wife of that policeman happened to be driving by And she saw something going on. She gets out, returns fire, and kills Mark's brother. Mark, of course, was arrested, tried, found guilty of murder, first degree, and sentenced to die in the Florida gas chamber or death chamber. I don't know if it was gas or electric, whatever it was, or injection. His mother called me. Would you write a letter to the authorities tell how Mark went to church? I said, Mark only came one time. And then to, I said, I know nothing about his character. I know nothing. I can't write any letter. Appeal after appeal until they ran out and there were no more. And Mark sat on death row awaiting the proper execution of his life. You see, in the Bible, it was taught that if you steal a sheep, then you give back a sheep. You steal a goat, you give back a goat. You take a person's life, well, you can't give that back. So you forfeit your life in its place. That's fair. That is justice. And one thing that capital punishment does, it stops 100% of repeat offenders. No question, and no doubt about it. I don't like to see people die. But the wages of sin is death. I wonder how Mark's life would have changed if he didn't put off that matter of being saved that night. I wonder what new direction he might have gone. I wonder what life would have been like for him Had he made that choice that night. But he put it off. But some of you may be doing the same thing. You have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ many times. Maybe in this church. Maybe on the radio. Maybe on TV. Maybe a friend has sat with you and told you of God's wonderful plan of salvation. And you put it off. And you put it off. And you put it off. And you put it off but a day may come when it is too late. Tomorrow never came. There was a fellow in the Bible by the name of Felix. You could read about him in in the book of Acts, Acts 24. Felix was a conniving politician, married a woman called Drusilla, who was another man's wife, but he took her from him and unlawfully married her and were living together. And somehow he heard about this new religion. We call it Christianity, faith in Christ, believers in Christ, followers of Christ. And he knew that there was a man down there called Paul who was a leader of these who once opposed them, now follows them. And he says, I want to bring him up and talk to him. He got more than he bargained for. (laughs) For Paul preached temperance, righteousness, a righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. That's a good sermon right there. And the Bible tells us something about Felix when he heard that message. About the holiness of God. The uncontrollable nature of man. And about judgment to come. Mark it down. You mark it down. I don't know when, but I know for certain that judgment will come upon each and every one of us as we stand before the Almighty. Either the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20. And the Bible says when Paul told him about Jesus, that Felix began to tremble. He was stricken in his heart. And he says, judgment to come, that's me, I'm doomed. But what did he say? He said to the preacher, go away. Depart from me. When I have a more convenient season, I'll call for you. Preacher, don't call me. I'll call you. And this morning, as you and I sit in the comfort of this building, the cushioned seats, the carpeted floors, the warmth of its air, Felix burns in hell because he says, not now, another time. That never came, as far as we know. A couple of chapters later, there's a fellow, a king by the name of Agrippa. You remember him, I'm sure. He was good friends with Paul, and Paul began to tell him about the prophecies and how Jesus was real. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's an awful lot of evidence for the credibility of Jesus Christ. People say, why do you follow Jesus? Because I find him credible. Perfect life, perfect ethics. Who can beat the Sermon on the Mount as far as ethics is concerned? Who, when he was beaten, turned and loved them? Who was nailed to the cross and said, Father, forgive them. I'll tell you, that wouldn't have been me. I would have said, Father, get them. Curse them for what they did to me. But Jesus said, Father, forgive. How could you and I hold a grudge against somebody else? When God forgave you of so much. But what did Agrippa say to Paul? Almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. How close are you to being saved this morning? How close are you to coming to the foot of the old rugged cross? Forgetting religion. Religion never saved anybody. Forgetting baptism. Baptism never washes away any sin. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. How close are you to today? Surrendering to God's will and giving your heart and soul to Jesus Christ. Believing that he died for you was buried at hallelujah, rose again from the grave and is alive forevermore. How close are you? Will you say almost, almost? Almost is the same as saying tomorrow, another time. Why don't you, this morning, say, you know what? I don't have much time left in my life, perhaps. And who could be certain of tomorrow? Are you? None of us can be sure you going to wake up tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. Going home it could be an accident. Some nut with a gun just spraying people with bullets. Falling down the stairs. It could be a thousand and one different things. The only thing you are sure of is right now. Today. I know most of my days are behind me. I understand that. But I'll tell you something. If the Lord were to come today my bags are packed. My house is all in order, all in order. And I'm saying, even so come, Lord Jesus. But maybe today you carry something in your heart, Christian. I close with this. You've been patient, and I appreciate that. Maybe there's something in your heart, some bitterness, some anger, some hidden sin. David cried to God, cleanse me from secret sins. I don't know if he was referring to a secret that he didn't know about them that were there or secret to others, but whatever it was, he said, I want to know what's wrong with my life. Do you want to know that this morning? Are you interested in really knowing what God thinks about you and what he wants to do in your life? And maybe this morning, with God's people at this altar, we'll say, God, show me what's wrong with my life today that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. No more tomorrows. 2023, we used them all up. They're all gone. No more tomorrows. And yet, you have tasks undone. Honey, would you come to the piano, please? This was not the message I had originally intended to preach for today. I had studied another message and I thought maybe God would want me to do do that. But along the line, God says, no, do this. And maybe it's because it's what I needed to be reminded of. I put off giving that tract to somebody. I put off making things right with somebody. I put off making things right with God until tomorrow. But today is God's day. and The Bible says, harden not your heart. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. And Christian, today is the day that we can come to this altar we can say God help me be a today Christian not tomorrow I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able please and look up this way just look up at me and I wonder this morning I know I need to do business with God I know I need to draw nearer to God and maybe you say, well, preacher, I'm not used to going down front like that. Yeah, but you're used to putting things off, aren't you? <laughs> now nah, I don't need to go down. Swallow your pride. Come, kneel. And if you can't kneel, stand or, or sit in the front. We've got the whole front row open. You can make a personal altar with God there. I have to say, God, the end of this year, the beginning of the next, I don't want to live in the realm of tomorrow. What you want me to do, I want to do today the best that I can. Will somebody be willing to join me at this altar right now at the call? If you know not Christ as your Savior, you say, today I want to give my heart to Jesus. Today I want to give my soul to Him. Today I want to do away with tomorrows and serve God today while I have breath. I have no breath for tomorrow I only have breath for today. Come to God while he calls. Come to God while you feel his touch. Come to God while you sense him today. And end this year differently than when you began it with a heart soft and touched by the almighty today. We can't go back to yesterday and tomorrow is gone. Today is all that we have. And folks, you stay right here at this altar because I need to do business with God along with you today. And I'll have a final word of prayer with you in a moment. Holy Spirit of God, thank you for touching our heart. Thank you for touching our soul this morning. God, it isn't easy. And sometimes, Lord, I guess we're a little embarrassed to say, I put things off too long. But God, right now, I'm asking for your help and blessing that each day I'll do what you want me to do while I have breath in me to do it. Thank you for your patience, Lord. Thank you for understanding our frame that we are but as dust. But Lord, strengthen us that we can live in the realm and in the power of the Holy Spirit today and not put off to another time. You've been gracious and merciful. For this we give you praise. Now, Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people here. No matter how many people pray at the same time, you hear each and every one individually. And Father, I pray you honor these requests, these desires, and may 2024 be a banner year for Jesus in our life. No more procrastination. I'm asking these things in the name, in the power, and under the authority of Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords. And to this we say, amen.